Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Ray Allen Canine, it's no secret that we love Ray Allen Canine equipment. We use their products every single day at both Van Ness Canine and at Torchlight. Their mission statement says it all, to be the world leader in quality innovation for professional canine equipment for police, military, Schutzen, and ring sport. Tend to exceed their customers' expectations and deliver on time every time at a fair price. We full-heartedly believe that they've held true to that since it is our go-to one-stop shop for everything canine, not just police dogs, but for any working dog. This episode is also brought to you by our good friends over at Dogtra, dogtra.com. It's the e-collars that Ted and I use. It's the e-collars most police dog guys use. Dogtra.com, e-collars, bark collars, ball launchers, one-stop shop for everything you need for your working dog, dogtra.com. One of the other sponsors we're proud to have is HITS Canine Training Conference. It's the premier Amer- it's the premier canine training seminar in the United States, packed in the room with the world's best instructors covering important topics from admins to liability to detection work, all and tracking and everything in between. There's no better place to learn and no better place to network with other handlers, breeders, and trainers. HITS 2022 is being held in Orlando in August. Uh, so hit them up, hitscanine.net. We're super happy to be uh, represented by our good friends at Kinetic Dog Food. Uh, we've got great reviews from people all over the place. Uh, ever since we, we joined up with them and partnered with them, their uh, commitment to your dog's nutrition is top-notch. KineticDogFood.com, check them out. Jim over at NC Canine out in North Carolina. It's the culmination of 13 years of experience in handling or training uh, law enforcement canines. They use real-world deployments to develop their training program and rely not only on their experience, but the current experience of the nation's canine handlers provide the best canine partner you can get. They provide pet training and police canine training based out of Four Oaks, North Carolina, and they serve the surrounding areas as well as nationally. Feel free to call them and learn more about their dog training program, police canine techniques and methodologies. We got a brand new sponsor, man, American Aluminum Accessories. Uh, my entire time in canine and ever since I've been involved in the dogs, the kennel in the back of our cruisers has always been American aluminum. Uh, check them out. Uh, we're so happy to have them on here. Easyrideronline.com. Easyrideronline.com for everything you need from American aluminum accessories. Speaking of kennels, once you get out of the car, you got to have somewhere to put them. So our friends up in Ohio at Horizon Structures make a one-stop shop for kennel. If you want a two-dog kennel or if you want a 20 dog kennel they got you covered they get those things built and they drop it off at your house all you gotta have is a pad electricity and water and you can put dogs in it that day horizon structures can build you anything from mild to wild and it is the one-stop shop and you don't have to swing a single hammer so hit them up horizon structures all right we are back working dog radio broadcasting the bite uh i am ted summers from tulsa oklahoma as always and eric stan bro is with me from canton ohio eric what's up um, what do, what do I got going on? Um, I have oh, a handler, a quick little handler class <laughs> that finishes up on Friday. I go to Aruba on Saturday, uh, for our annual vacation. Last year we didn't get to go. Uh, they had opened back up after COVID shutdown, but our airlines canceled our flights. So, uh, we didn't get to go last year. Um, so we're looking forward to it and I will have an empty kennel for a little while. Um, I was going to have completely empty through October, but it looks like I may have to get a couple green dogs for an agency that I have provided dogs for. And they're one of my favorite guys. So I'm not going to not get them dogs. <laughs> and, uh, it's a, it's a large unit, like 20 dogs. I think I have 
five or six on there now. And my goal is to have 20. So good dudes though. Real good dudes. They like bangers, man. They, they work their dogs. Great, great guys. Um, so other than that, that's really about it. How about you? Oh, I've been wakeboarding a lot more getting ready for the wakeboard camp that I'm going to in the first week of, of November down in Florida, which my goal at 52 years old is to flip on the wakeboard. And, um, I'll probably, I'm probably going to tear everything in my ankles, both <laughs> knees. I was going to say fucking AC, you know? What am I going to do? <laughs> like, I work for myself. I'll be all right. So what about you? What's going on in Tulsa? Uh, it's hot still. Yeah. Um, I went to a regional training day, uh, today with a bunch of guys from different departments. Um, yeah, it's still hot. And, uh, we had a little bit of an emergency today. Uh, we had a unit that was there with a new guy didn't have a heat alarm, uh, air conditioner went out, dog went unconscious and, uh, yeah. So thankfully we were able to get him cooled down and, uh, get him to the vet and get some IV started on him and stuff. And, uh, but he's going to be okay, but still get a fucking heat alarm. If you're listening yeah. to this, that's the only heat will kill every dog single purpose dual purpose search and rescue everything like all of them will fucking die from heat so uh don't let them cook but uh i feel bad for the handler he's a good kid uh has been a handler for like six weeks or something and not very long and i was he i was like dude i die die you gotta make sure you check the, i mean he and i told him i was like you need to go out and you know i was telling everybody i was like i know you all have fucking heat alarms but they malfunction so go check just fucking stick your head in there he came back in freaking out and I'm like, well, so we jumped in and luckily their SWAT medic was down the road training and he was able to get them in the, uh, in an ambulance, take them to the vet. And then they transported him up here, 45 minutes up here to Tulsa to another vet, a bigger vet that handles that kind of stuff. And he's going to be fine. So I just, right before we started recording, I heard from the handler. So, um, he's going to be good, but yeah, other than that, I, uh, got pets, lots of fucking pets um we got a we still the murder weenie goes home this weekend and then i got a another brussels griffon like crummy um that bites me so that's fun um I like it. not yeah no i'm <laughs> i don't like getting bit by, i don't like it it's not fun uh i got a a another cane corso and a big one it's not a small one but she's huge so they i wasn't there when they dropped her off i was like holy shit He's like, i don't know fucking i don't have a choke chain big enough for her so yeah, other than that, worky worky. Um, my little single pointer, my single purpose pointers are coming along. They should be uh ready to rock as like green plus looking things by I don't know, probably March. They'll be old enough to go. So it'll be good. Yeah. Give me something to work on this winter and something for the interns to work on. So other than that, you got the duck work in is the uh, uh there's a no <laughs> fucking there no we're almost to the end of summer and they're like oh we're gonna get the air conditioner and i'm like awesome they got the unit in mm. and I, it's some kind of crazy ass new one that is the size of a two-ton one that pushes like 20 i don't know i don't know any of that shit and but so they're and they're getting the duct work in um doesn't so. push shit if it doesn't connect it well the that's the thing work. and then they're like oh we'll get the heat working i was like ah you know i mean as long as i can keep the building like above 50 in the wintertime, I really don't care. All right, yeah, that's fine. about where mine is, yeah. I don't mind. <laughs> I can handle that. But when there's 150, it's a little rough. So, yeah, which we're going to talk about I can keep it pretty warm in the winter. There's like 30 furnaces in that place. So I'm literally walking around all the time. 
because many of them are on an on-off switch, like a light switch. And I'll just go pick different parts of the building and turn them off. And then I got to remember to turn them back on. Some of them are on a thermostat. That, it's that in the portal know. to hell is in the basement. So that yes, helps. Right. Yep. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely the lion, the witch in the wardrobe and the grave in my basement. Yeah. So no, nope. very strange. Yeah. So, so what do we got tonight? All right. So um, we uh, were looking around, you know, we've been doing a lot of episodes with military handlers, which is cool. We love it. Love the military. Uh, we haven't talked to any law enforcement guys in a while, um, probably four or five episodes. So yeah. we, we started looking around. I got a hold of my buddy, Kyle, down at uh, Georgia Police Canine Foundation. We have a great relationship with those guys, real good dudes. Um, and I said, hey, I need to talk to a handler from down there who can tell good stories and doesn't talk like he's testifying in court. Because um, <laughs> you cops, man, and I was a cop for 27 years uh it's it, i guess it could be hard to break but um we get guys on and you, they'll answer everything in four words and then we have to ask another question five words another question another question another question and i'm like yes i am not cross-examining you or even direct examining you so we uh he said i got a guy for you so he's a uh sergeant at uh, gwinnett county which is a very large county 400 and some square miles a million people right outside of atlanta and they got a pretty big unit. So without further ado, going to welcome Brian Doan from Gwinnett County. How are you, sir? Doing great, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Cool. So we found out before we started now, you guys listening to this, I'm sure we have some Ohio fans in here. I am from Northeast Ohio. However, I am not a Buckeye fan at all. If you're watching <laughs> on YouTube, you'll see what I'm saying. I, you guys all hate me, and that's cool. But I am a Michigan fan, and my... Uh, my esteemed buddy here, uh, Sergeant Doan, is from just outside of Detroit, so you know he's Wolverines all the way. Absolutely. Go Blue. <laughs> so, and I'm going to talk to you about something interesting that I talked to with a guy today, but let's get into your background. I know you moved down there a long time ago, but mm -hmm. talk about growing up where you grew up and dogs and everything and then how you got down there. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Metro Detroit. Um, Sterling Heights was the city I actually grew up in. Um, Typical, you know, suburban Detroit neighborhood. Um, we had dogs our whole life. Uh, never really thought about being a canine handler. Always knew I wanted to be a police officer, but never really thought about canine. Uh, moved down here, 92. Um, went, uh, got my college degree. Got hired on by Gwinnett County. Um, last 22 years, I've, my background, basically, I've been a road officer Pretty much the whole time, except for three years, I was a, we run our own academy at our police department, uh, post-mandated academy, and I was a full-time recruit instructor for three years. Um, while I was there, I, I was able to obtain my driver instructor, my firearms instructor, my defensive tactics instructor, and my taser instructor. So um, grabbed every certification I possibly could while I was at the training center, but pretty much the rest of my time as an officer has been working the streets. Um, love working the road. Can't stand sitting behind a desk, sitting here doing the interviews kills me while I'm out. You know, I've got guys out there working right now. Uh, like I want to be out there working my dog. Um, never would have imagined the passion, the frustration, and the exhilaration of, of running a police canine. So, yeah, I agree. So, uh, 
20, what'd you say? 22 years you've been 22 years. Yep. 22 plus. You guys work at jail. You guys run a jail? No, we have our own sheriff's department down here in Gwinnett County. So my department is basically um, handling 911 calls for service. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. The sheriff's department runs the security at the courthouse, serve all the warrants, civil papers, all that stuff. We are strictly uh, proactive in handling 911 calls. Awesome. So um, how, how old is the canine unit there? Oh, it's been here ever since I started. Um, probably, if I had to guess, around 30 years. Uh, yeah. We started, of, of course, with like one or two dogs. And back then, they just wanted the biggest, baddest dogs they could find. Um, but, you know, of course, canine has really uh, matured over the years and, and gone forward with what we want out of our dogs. So, um, and if you just look at, you know, through the past, since I've been here 22 years, our, our canine program is, is grown leaps and bounds. Ted, uh, so in Canton, we started in 1985. Do you have any units that you guys were te- training that are like 50, 60 years old that have been around since like the 60s and 70s? Uh, yeah, well, we don't train them, but we've applied dogs to them. TPD, um, mm-hmm. Tulsa's, Tulsa has a very, very, very good, very large, very well-run um, canine unit. Um, you know, TPD is a large department. You know, we have million-plus people here in the metro area and stuff so uh they do a really good job uh tpd in general does a pretty good job super professional uh but they've been around for a long time um their clubhouse i've been over there um they've got pictures in there from like the 70s <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that's awesome so like before i was born and so it's uh that's really the only one kind of local i know oklahoma city has a large unit i don't i know those guys over there um but i don't i mean they're they're far enough away i mean it's an hour and a half and i don't go over that way that far but as far as units go like those are the two largest in the state and definitely are the two oldest i don't i don't know how old um okc's is but i know tpd's is fairly i don't know how when it started but i know it's it's been around for a while and they do a great job i mean I think they have um, learned a lot of stuff from uh, mistakes. And just like you just said, Brian, like they have matured. Um, there's some there's some federal case law um, that was generated <laughs> from in the 10th Circuit that was generated from Tulsa. And, you know, I think everybody learns from that. So yeah. um, I would hope it happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but no, they, they do a good job. Ryan Woods is their um, lieutenant and does a fantastic job. They just started this thing, uh, new chief came in and they do their own internal review thing now for use of force, but like uh, for anything um, or they're starting or they did it, but basically anytime it happens, a Sergeant, then a Lieutenant, then a captain all review everything internally, which I mean, from the canine side, we talk about Kerr versus West Palm Beach a lot, but it's one of those like oversight things. And generally they do a really, really good job. So, I mean, but that's the only one that I can think of off the top of my head that I interact with like routinely that is like fairly old. We had, Anytime we do an HRD, we generate like we go to those large cities. I mean, like when we were in Cincinnati, I mean, how long have they been around? Like, yeah, <laughs> longer than Canton has. Yeah, yeah so yeah. So when I got hired, I got hired at Canton Police Department in 1996. They had prior to that like 12 dogs. Um, and it was a really robust unit. And then when I got on, they were only they only had like four, they hadn't put four or five, they they had let it dwindle. I think, and I, I don't, 
I don't know for sure, but I think what happened was that big federal case of paying um, paying officers for care and maintenance came from Canton. And um, speaking of federal, <laughs> yeah, some of them <laughs> dudes, some of those dudes made a lot of money. They padded some shit, but um, some of those guys were still there, and it was a legit beef. Some just really milked it out, and they had the guys I was told that were handlers in the beginning. Some were really good dudes, and others I was like that turd was a handler. <laughs> like they had a guy, the dog was living in his car. Cause he'd gotten kicked out of his house. Um, this other guy is fell. He just fell asleep in the park at night and opened his door, let his dog run around dog got hit and killed by a car. I mean, mm. just crazy shit that happened back in the day. But when I was on the department, we went, they were 12 then four, then nine then six then seven kind of what it looked like when you started to where it's at now. I want to think when we, when I started back in 99, there was probably like four dogs and our current numbers are 10. We have 10 uh, dual purpose teams on the unit. That's nice. Do you guys have anybody attached to any task forces or anything like that? No, no, not on the canine unit. Um, we have an additional four, four dogs currently to our um, EOD dogs, bomb dogs that are attached to our EOD unit, which is attached to SWAT. They're full time. Mm -hmm. And then we have two strict uh, single purpose narcotics dogs that are attached to our package interdiction team yeah. that are not a part of this unit. And then we have a, uh, had a SWAT canine um, that is attached to this. We have a full-time eight man SWAT element and it's attached to them. I'm always interested in this. Um, so, and I, I, the first time I ever learned of this was I was at a, a training thing, explosive training thing in, New Mexico. And, uh, I don't know if he was the captain in charge of Chicago PD's, uh, patrol canine unit. Um, but they had like 50 patrol dogs and then they had like 20 dope dogs and they had all these bomb dogs. All of them were had separate trainers, separate command staff and everything does whoever trains your patrol dogs handle the package dogs as far as training goes, or they have their own separate program. I have two unit trainers on my unit and if they were to come to my unit trainers and ask, of course, they would help them in a heartbeat, but they're, they're a totally separate unit than what we are. Um, we hardly ever interact with them unless it's during NNDDA certification, or if they come up, we house um, our narcotics here at the office. So they have to come up here and check out the narcotics if they're going to train and we'll interact with them. Then if we set up, you know, narcotic training scenarios and they're working, you know, we work with each other and say, Hey, I got the dope set out if you want to come run it. Um, but as far as like, you know, that's about as much interaction as we have with the guys. I was going to ask you about, you answered about the NNDDA. Um, mm -hmm. Ted and I talk a lot about uh, certification standards around the country and um, Ohio. We're lucky. We have full dual purpose, single purpose, whatever bite work detection, whether it be drugs or, or, um, or explosives state certification and then there you have the states have zero then you have the ones that only have dope and the ones that only have bite work which both of that kind of fascinates me where where is georgia at? they have no uh requirement for any type of certification so we've been doing any nnda since i've been on the unit which is the last seven years um and then we also do an internal certification that is put on by our unit trainers interesting i'm 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 still always surprised by that because there's so much case law, federal case law that revolves around dogs. 
And yeah. it's not even so much the biting stuff. It's almost always the nose stuff. Yep. Um, so you, you guys are at 10 now. How does mm -hmm. that break up for shifts? How does that work? So we're on 12s right now. And I have basically under me, I have four officers. Now, I also run a canine. So mm -hmm. that gives us five for my shift. Um, we work days and nights. So I have two on days, two on nights, and then I kind of work a split shift, kind of whatever hours I want to work. Like today, I came in at 11 o'clock. I'm going to get off at uh, 10 o'clock tonight, where my guys are, uh, my day watch guys are from 7 to 6, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. My nights are 6 p.m. to 5 a.m. And then we have a two-hour gap where there's none of our dogs that are working and we're having on-call status. So we get this question, <clears throat> I don't know about a lot, but it seems like this happens. I see this question come up a lot for dudes that are um, supervisors. I have friends that are canine handlers that are supervisors that still run a dog. And then I have friends that are canine supervisors that do not, um, <clears throat> that were at one point that ran a dog, but now like their duties mm -hmm. are kind of split. Um, I mentioned one, Ryan, um, on TPD doesn't run a dog, but he ran one for like a hundred years. So um, what is it like running a dog and then also having to supervise these dudes my department uh wouldn't allow a supervisor to run a canine for about the last 15 years um my supervisor partner at the time was like you just said was a former handler um didn't want to run a dog anymore but was the supervisor of the other half of the unit i came on board i knew nothing um about canine how it worked as I'm learning, my interest is more peaked. And I went to the command staff and I said, you know, there's no reason why I can't run a dog. You know, give me a dog, add that extra body without having to sacrifice manpower from the uniform division. And let's give it a try. And as far as like my daily routine, running a dog and being a supervisor, I mean, it's cake. It really is. I come in, I do a couple hours worth of admin stuff. And then I'm on the road with my guys. That's, that's pretty nice. Cause they can, a lot of times, man, you, you guys that are in a command or a supervisory role that run a dog are like, man, I've been in this office, man, with so much paperwork. I gotta get out. I gotta do something with the dog. You know, it's just like the trainer's dog is always the, gets the least amount of training and mm -hmm. things like that. So it's good to hear that you, you know, they don't bog you down too much. No, um, I, as far as admin, I mean, it's really, it's not hard at all. I come in, check some reports, and then what's out on the road, let's work these dogs. If we're not getting live calls, let's run some training. So let's talk about your dog. Tell me mm -hmm. your, his name, age, everything you, you want to talk about him. All right. My dog, my uh, dog's name is Nitro. He's five-year-old Belgian Malinois, of course. Um, we've been on the streets. We'll be four years in October. Um, just, just. You know, I, I go by the other guys' dogs on the unit. I think all our dogs are really social. They're good, just good work dogs. Um, you know, Nitro, he knows when it's time to work, and he knows when it's time to be at home. Um, there is no stop to him when he's at work. I guarantee if we went out and popped my driver's side door, he's in the back doing the old Malinois circle in the back of the truck. You know, he wants to work, loves to work. Um, I've been really pleased with, learning how to handle him because again i've never handled a dog before and seeing him progress and seeing the success of 
of our team. So you mentioned something that uh, uh, Ted and I talked to guys a lot about. When you first get in the department, first get going, it's the big hundred pounders. Everybody wants that hundred pound German Shepherd. <laughs> yeah. Nope. And then, no and, right. And every time we see one of those guys, we're like, first dog. And they're like, yeah. I go, yeah, I bet your <laughs> next one's 65, 68 pounds. No, no. <laughs> yep. Nitro, I think he weighed 72 pounds last time at the vet. We, you know, down here in Georgia with the heat, we don't want big dogs. We want to be able to have a dog, like you said, 65, 70 pounds of perfect weight to be able to sit there and, and be able to control the animal while you're out in the woods. And yeah, there we've got one dog. He's, he's bigger and he is just a handful to handle. I mean, he just solid like 90 pound male and just pulls everywhere. Yeah. That's a big and, boy. And you have to lift that dude at some point. Yeah. yeah everybody I'm, wants to I'm 47 years old. I don't want to pick up a hundred pound male while we're an eight foot fence. Nope. Do get up there two mile track and two mile yeah. track in the heat and have to throw his back <laughs> over a fence. Yeah. Nope. You're like another <laughs> fence. Just nope. stop. Let's just give up. No, we're calling it. Call it. Yeah. They got that, away. That's such a psychological, you know, because you see it coming and you're like, son mm-hmm. of a bitch. Yeah. When I when I first got on the police department, I was uh, like really into heavy lifting, like, you know, three something on the bench and like really into it. But then I stopped and kept eating like a person that was still doing the heavy lifting and was fat <laughs> and I'd be foot chasing dudes and they're hopping fences. And after about the second or third one, I'm like, Oh my God, this guy's killing me. I just stop. I'm like, I can see him going fence, fence, fence. I'm like, son of a bitch. Stop yeah. running the street. <laughs> Fucking crackheads. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's a D one athlete. Fucking chasing yeah. crackheads. There you All go. Right. <laughs> All right. So we're, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. We come back. We're going to get into the, what we really want to talk to in this, in this um, conversation, which is uh, tracking. So don't go anywhere. If you skip the commercials, the show notes at the bottom have all the discount codes. Be sure to check them out. Ted and I like to say, hey, don't ask us what the discount codes are because we don't know them. We have to look them up. And somebody, I forget who, asked me the other day. I'm like, are you fucking with me? <laughs> you listened to the episode and heard me say that? Because, And guess what? I looked it up uh-huh. and I told him. So anyways, we'll be right back. We have a long-standing relationship with the guys over at HITS Canine Training Conference. Uh, it's truly America's premier canine seminar. It is the largest. It is the best. Um, they cover every important topic in the canine industry, hundreds and hundreds of vendors, thousands of canine people there. Everybody, you know, in this industry is there. Ted and I will be teaching hits 2022 is being held in Orlando, Florida, August 16th to the 19th. Also check out their website hits They have other classes that they're putting out online, uh, zoom classes and all kinds of other things they're offering in-person classes leading up to hits 2022. Orlando, Florida, August 16th to the 19th. Check it out. Hits canine.net. Everyone knows me, knows that I live on chicken nuggets and Coors Light. So uh, that doesn't mean your dog should, though. Um, our friends at Kinetic um, are make it a, a point to fuel working dogs, and they know that it can be tough, and they need high-quality food, unlike me, to give them energy and the nutrients that they require. I just subsist on air and you know Coors Light, which, but the dogs can't. They actually have to work. So for that, we asked... Kinetic and Kinetic has come up with a great balance of healthy meats and grains and is made specifically for working in sport dogs. They have a full line of foods and supplements available, and they've been working to perfect their line for thousands of dogs and hundreds of departments across the U.S. 
You can buy it locally online or at Tractor Supply, or you can get it at Chewy. So head over to their website, kineticdogfood.com, 513-615-6904. And get them on the socials at Kinetic Dog Food. So probably the number one product I've ever advertised for or used that set that does what they say is quick turn by vet care. Uh, I have it uh, at my house. I have it at the kennel. I have it at the fun house. I have it at the uh, doggy daycare. I have my trainers have it at their house. It is unbelievable how it works. You guys have all heard Ted and I talk about it, how we've gotten tagged by dogs or dogs do, you know, if you're dealing with working dogs, weird stuff happens, right? It's cuts that how the hell that happened bites scratches all kinds of things that happen especially if you're doing anything in the wooded area they get tore up uh the quick derm by vet care it is no exaggeration it is great so once daily treatment for any skin condition or small wounds to help stop little issues from becoming big ones comes in sprays ointments or dressing quick derm is great at creating a protective barrier and promoting wound healing the best thing too is they have a discount code. Get on their website, vetcare.us. That's vetcare.us. Put in the discount code 10WDR in capital letters, 10WDR for 10% off your first order. These next guys uh, have actually been on the show when we instructed at uh, the first uh, Tripwire conference down in Florida. Uh, Jim O'Brien was a guest on the show. Uh, and he runs NC Canine, who has now come onto the show as a sponsor. Um, Jim's been around for quite a long time, about 13-ish years, uh, with experience handling and training law enforcement canines. Um, he uses real-world deployments to develop training program and not rely only on their experience, but current experiences from most of their national canine teams and handlers to provide the best canine partner that you guys can, can purchase. They provide pet training and police canine services based out of Four Oaks, North Carolina, and they serve the surrounding areas. Feel free to give Jim a call, a text, carrier pigeon, however you want to get a hold of him uh, to, to talk to him about police canine training or pets and techniques and methodologies. So hit him up at 919-438-0141 or J O'Brien. That's J-O-B-R-I-E-N at N-C, letter K number nine dot U-S. Check the show notes. We'll put it there. All right. Working Dog Radio. We are back broadcasting the bite with Brian Doan, uh, canine sergeant. Um, connected to and recommended by our good buddy Kyle down at the Georgia Police Canine Foundation. Good dudes have done a lot of training with them guys. Um, and before before we get into the tracking part, there's a conversation. So I have a handler up here right now from South Carolina. He's originally from Ohio, from Youngstown. And and what I like is the same thing I like about you. You've been down there for 30 years, and you don't talk with some fake ass Southern accent. You nope. still talk with your, what you were born with. He, he's only been down there eight or nine years. Same thing. But I, you see these girls or, or guys or whatever from Ohio move to South Carolina, Florida, whatever. And they come back three months later and they're, hey, y'all, <laughs> stop. <laughs> Either you're faking or you're a nut job. Stop it. You don't have a Southern accent. Get out of here. So anyways, uh, I, I appreciate you, you sticking true to the the Northern roots here. That's right. <laughs> right. So I know down in Georgia and I see, you know, I follow a lot of different uh, social media pages and um, Ted and I both know all, all the same guys down there, everything, lots and lots and lots of tracking apprehensions. It yeah. seems to be the bread and butter 
of what a lot of you guys do down there. So I want to get in and talk to you because we haven't done a um, tracking episode since my buddy. I don't know. Nick. Yeah. Yeah. And that wasn't even really a dog episode. He's, they don't have a dog. Man tracker, County, yeah. But yeah. Mick. Yeah. The adult hide and go seek winner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about that. Talk about like um, when you first came on and you're uh, just a regular guy, no, no dog, you're, you're, uh, you know, young guy. And when you started seeing dogs tracking, when you realized, Hey, I'm going to call the dog, I'm going to do this and kind of how that evolved into where you're at now. So I had a, I think every time you're in uniform, you kind of get a, a negative opinion about canine. Uh, a lot of times the dogs don't find people. And as a road officer, you have no idea what it takes to run behind that dog, what, how to read that dog and to really know that dog. So I was naive. I was dumb. You know, all oh, these damn dogs, they can't find anybody. They couldn't find the guy if he was standing next to me type thing. I had a good buddy of mine. Uh, we worked together at the training center and he got a position on canine and a supervisor position came over. I'd been promoted maybe three years. And he's like, Hey man, I really think you do good over here. Why don't you put in? And I told him, I said, you know, Richard, I don't know anything about canine. He's like, we'll teach you. He's like, just put in, see it, see how it works out. I tried out and I got selected and I came over and I started working with these guys and learning from them. And it just really opened up my eyes to just, just how naive I was about everything in the past. You know, I knew nothing about it, but yet here I am sitting there talking, these dogs can't find anybody. And then you learn there's so much to it. Um, so being the new supervisor, I was really interested. And the more I worked with these guys, I became more and more interested. And that's when I was like, man, I, I got to get behind the leash of one of these, one of these animals. This, this job is just, it's the best damn job in the department. I want to be in on this fun and this action. I want to learn. So, like I said, I was able to convince the command staff and, and get Nitro. Um, and it's been a whirlwind ever since. And to this day, I mean, I don't think I'm ever going to stop learning, running this dog. You know, there's always going to be something I'm learning on a daily basis. with him. So there's a bunch of different ways to train tracking. Um, Ted and I, uh, probably do things a little bit differently, a little bit similarities in some things. Me, I'm, I have a base way that I do it, but I have to switch it for certain dogs. If they don't, if they're just not going to learn that way. Um, Ted came over here to Ohio and we, uh, did a bunch of tracking one time. And even the way I handle the leash is a little bit different than the way he teaches people to handle the leash. Um, the, the kind of the concept in the start is the same, how do you guys go about the way you teach like brand new dogs starting on tracking? So we, we don't get green dogs. Um, we go to our vendor. The vendor has got 12 weeks to get the dog up and tracking. And of course, you know, everything that we want from them. And then we get the dog, the new handler goes up to school for four weeks. So we don't get to really engage the dog and the new handler until they're back from school. So we're going to build off of, what the vendor does because that's what the dogs learned of course for the first 12 weeks that we gave them and then the four weeks at handler school so we don't deviate it from that um starting off of course hard surface tracking uh they come back they're still using distilled water they're still using articles every few feet letting the dog down on it um 
gradually learning into transitions over surfaces, uh, you know, grass to con or asphalt back to grass to sand, whatever the case may be. Uh, and eventually by probably week two of FTO, we're completely removed from water. Like, okay, it's time to, to put in the work. You've, you've been doing it this long. Now it's time to uh, get rid of the water and just use your nose and the ground. Are, are you guys um, uh, harness trackers or you track off a flat collar? What, how, what's your process? It, it's actually, we let it run up to the individual handlers. Um, I'm a big believer in the, the harness, uh, a good tracking harness. Um, being able to, like you said, you come up to a six, eight foot fence. I got to get my dog over. It's great to have that load lift and uh, carry harness on the dog instead of trying to grab it under its belly and, and work the dog up a fence. Um, pretty much getting all the guys uh, to go to a more of a tracking harness. Um, we have a dog right now. The handler was out on three months of baby leave. The dog came back a little rusty and, you know, had been tracking on a harness just fine. Went back to the flat collar underneath the leg, got him to put his nose back down to the ground. And in a, roughly two weeks, we've got the dog right back to where he was before he left. So we don't really stick to one thing. We're going to stick to what is working at the time with the dog. You know, I'm not a big believer in this is the only way we're going to do things. Someone, one of my unit trainers comes and says, hey, Sarge, this is what I want to do. I'm going to be like, all right, man, let's try it. Let's give it a shot. You know. What's one of the most creative things you've had to do? And, I, and I'll explain why I'm asking this uh, to get a dog like doing tracking correctly, a dog that was just not not doing well. We've done the botcher harnesses, you know, ran them, uh, really forcing the dog's nose to the ground. And we were able to get the dog where we wanted it. But the problem was, is the dog's nose was on the ground right up to the decoy. You know, there was no type of proximity, whatnot. So, yeah, we were doing a good job of getting the dog to track. But at the same time, we weren't teaching it to, okay, now's the time to get your head up, your air scenting. We're getting close. So, you know, we haven't had any serious problems with any of the dogs from the vendors when it comes to tracking. We, we've been pretty good at our dog selection process and we produce some really good dogs. Um, so as far as like any problem solving, we really haven't had like any dogs that have just melted and, and shut down during tracks. Ted, what do you get? Are you guys, I can't remember. Are you guys collar harnesses? Uh, I'll do tracking like harness? kind of whatever. If I get to start them out, I'll put them in a harness. Um, and then, if not, then it kind of depends. And sometimes they come over and they've got some work done. And if they are, and I have to figure out what they've had done. And so I go through all the tricks and see, but um, there's kind of a thing like people are like, oh, when he puts his harness on, he knows that it's time to track. I'm like, you're telling me he won't track on a flat collar? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, <laughs> show me. And yeah. he's like, oh my God, he tracks with a collar on. I'm like, uh huh. Shocking. So I'm like, it's almost like it doesn't matter. But um, I, I, I like, the harness just for the reason that Brian just said, like, if you like, gives me something to pick him up with and like the, the handler and I said, but so, um, I'm, you know, most of our guys, most of the dogs will wear like some kind of harness when they're working anyway. So, but yeah, it's definitely, um, and then there's the issue of like making sure we have the right collar on and making sure that, you know, they're wearing 
this color, that color, and all this other shit. So I don't like having them to have to fucking fiddle fuck with shit. Getting the dog in and out of the car, and like when you get there, get him out and hook him up and start tracking. Like you don't need to fuck around. And that's one thing I there that just bugs the shit out of me when people are you know they're playing fuck around. It takes them ten minutes to get the damn this out of the collar on all this other fucking bullshit and i'm like god he's still running go like let's go so uh i i don't do i there's whatever works like whatever the dog works with i've had a dogs that for whatever reason and it has to be from getting leash checked by vendors or well by whoever and i get a green dog and you leash check him and he'll turn around and look at you and i'm like no quit put your head back down and get like you know and so i put him in a harness and all that goes away the other thing i like about the harness with younger dogs is it promotes that forward like continuing to move forward right so like i'll put tension on them when i know they're right and because opposition reflex they start digging 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 so it i i find that a harness helps me get them into that what handlers call four-wheel drive mode or whatever they want to call it like when they can tell the dog is in order right so i use that and it seems like the Harness provides more opposition and does. I mean, it's the same thing with bite work. So, I mean, but that's one reason I prefer I mean, we don't have like a this is how you have to do it thing. Yeah. yeah. I, when I first got in the unit in 2005, we were all harness tracking. Um, and then I took over trainer end of 10, did the my first class, I think summer of 11 um, or end of summer of 11. And um, I did some, I did harness tracking for, for dogs. And then I started moving away from it and went from went to um, flat collar under the leg. And one of the main reasons I did that was because, so we're using harnesses for agitation work. I don't put decoys at the end. I use toys at the end. I use decoys in the area search. I find that in my opinion, the dogs kind of put it together, you know, on their own once you've kind of taught them both. But I, I found that using the harness for us anyways was providing a little bit more head up uh, sled driving rather than tracking. But what really drove me insane is one of the things that, that Ted was talking about is cops are OCD as hell. And <laughs> they they take forever to get the dog out, put them in a down, unscrew their leash, get their harness, put it on. Meanwhile, the guy's still running mm-hmm. away. Yep. So what I, that's why I like the flat collar. So what we were doing is because we had a rule that they had to have markings. The dog had because we had a canine shot by a cop. Um, on a call, his it was just running loose and he was unmarked. So they have to wear a harness with police on it or a collar with police on it. So we were just having the guys wear the, the harness so they could still use it to throw the dog, but, right. but off the collar on the um on the tracking, and that made it a lot faster because I will at training, I will sit out there going, Let's go, let's go, 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 go. What are you doing? What are you doing? I gotta get my gloves on, I gotta unscrew my leash. <laughs> oh, I will hold on. Oh, I gotta get my harness and put a I, I, so I go nuts. So my thing now is hook them on the collar. And as they're coming out of the car, get it under that leg before they hit the ground under the leg, they will start hunting right away. Let's go find the start and, and get mm-hmm. going. And it works out real well. However, not every dog likes it. And if it's so distracting to them, whether no matter what you're doing, you're going to pop that leg out. I, I go to a harness, you know, yeah. I'm not, tr- I'm not like- trying to fight the dog, you know? Yeah. And like I said, it's up to the individual hand- handler and the individual team. I prefer a harness. One of my guys for cert, for, 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 <laughs> likes his flat collar yeah. better. Yeah. So it's whatever works for the dog. We don't have a set way of doing it. Um, but well, I do we had like a dog, the harnesses. 
we had a dog when I was in, I was going through a quick little refresher with my second dog. He had worked for another handler. I retired my dog, took his dog because he was only five at the time. And um, we had a guy, Ryan, in the class with his dog. And a couple of days a week, the trainer had to be down on the range. So I had to help Ryan with his dog. And his dog, Armin, was the worst tracking dog I've ever seen, ever. He would spin the whole way. Spin, 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 spin. And <laughs> oh, then yeah. take like five shits. It was so weird. And I'm... I'm a handler now three and a half years at this point. Not, not all that long. Right. And I didn't have, I had some good success with my first dog tracking, but I did a lot of the things that you're not supposed to do dogs tracking one way. And you're like, fuck, there's no way he had to go this way. That type of crap, you know? Um, but I did find, you know, a lot of weapons and just different. I, I mean, it did some success, but he would spin, 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 spin. And so I'm like, I want to try something. Let's take the harness and run the line through the ring on the back, through it and up onto his collar. And if you work the line right, he won't be able to spin kind of. And when that started correcting him a little bit, and then we, I think we started my actually on a prong that way. And then we started him on the flat collar or the, the dead ring of the prong and then a flat collar through that line, through that thing. And then eventually Armin tracked just off his collar not under the leg, just hooked the collar. Yeah. He had, I think when he retired, like 175 street bites and a hundred of those were from tracking. Easily a yeah. hundred. Worked midnights. Um, so there was just little things we tried. You know, you got to experiment and, and try to figure it out. And we're, we're a little bit different. We were getting green dogs. And because yeah. we had a full-time trainer, green dog, green handler or whatever, and we and train them up. So, um, Talk about down where you're at, mm -hmm. what it looks like, what the environment looks like in 400 square miles. I'm sure that you get a little bit of everything, but what does yeah. tracking look for you look like for you guys? So, like you said, we got 437 square miles, Metro Atlanta, population of a million, and we do have that good mix of urban and rural um, areas. Most of the south end of the county is just straight up urban subdivisions, apartment complexes, major business complexes. Um, more on the east side of the county is where you got, we don't have many farms left, but there still are. Um, in Georgia, you get patches of woods everywhere. So you might be in a neighborhood uh, with 500 houses that is surrounded by a wooded area. And so we get that good mixture of tracking where we get to do hard surface, soft surface, woods, you name it. We get all sorts of uh, environmental issues going on on our tracks. So one thing that has been like that I talk about, well, Eric and I both talk about a lot is um, leash length. Um, mm -hmm. So we had Ron Aleo on who was a Vietnam era handler and uh, he handled the dog storming in Vietnam. And that dude was tracking with a six foot leash and, and a pistol and a, yeah, and a 45 <laughs> probably a 1911 yeah. um so <laughs> cocked and yeah, locked I, baby i was like fuck that shit so uh you guys do you leave that up to the individual handler or what are you guys using because i mean eric and i both like i'll use a 50 and a 60 foot line i mean i get like i'll get them way the hell out in front of me so what yeah. do you guys prefer using so we everyone's issued a six a four a waist a uh, 15 a 30 and then a long line so it's up to the individual handler when they get there to decide what equipment they're going to use. 
if I'm going into a apartment complex, I'm probably going to run a 15 um, or run the 30 and just choke up on it. We have people everywhere. We have a lot of homeless populations. So, you know, you've got to be able to determine what type of area you're going to run. If it's straight woods, go long line, you know, give that dog as much room to play as possible um, and room to work without you on top of it and you walking into the danger zone. So it's up to the individual handler. I'm not going to go with a, with a guy and be like, Hey, you need to drop that leash and I want you to run this. It's all up to them. What's the sweet spot for your dog? Like where you're at behind him. Like I know some dogs I'm like, yeah, dude, I gotta be like eight foot max behind this dog or I need to be like 20. Where, where you really at? don't have one with nitro. He doesn't really care if I'm right up on him or if I'm 30 feet behind him. Um, really great tracking dog. I normally run a 30 foot line. And like I said, if I'm in an urban de uh, development, I'll choke up on the leash, then give him more slack, you know, work the leash as we go along in different areas. Um, but he, yeah, he doesn't really care. You know, um, we, we do a lot of tactical tracking uh, with our full-time SWAT guys. He doesn't care about, you know, flanks. He doesn't care about a rear guard team leader. Like he, he knows his job and he's going to do it. And he pretty much ignores everything else around him. Do you guys, um, so when you go out with the, with the guys on the road, and this is a kind of an individual choice, I guess, some places have mandated certain rules on it, but you're going to go out with just a regular guy not, not SWAT guys or whatever doing mm -hmm. tracking. What do you talk to or train your guys that are going to go assist you that work with you all the time? This is what I expect out of you as my backup on a track. Unfortunately, with the size of our department, we, you're probably not going to have the same guy more than once on a track. Uh, if there is a canine call anywhere in the County, anybody that's on the canine unit that's working will respond and track with that handler. If it's somebody like, if I'm working by myself and I get there and I got a uniform guy, I'm going to first make sure, Hey man, are you physically capable of keeping up with me? <laughs> yes or no? Yes. Okay. Here's what you need to do. Don't watch me. Don't watch my dog. You're my lethal coverage. I need your eyes downrange. Don't watch my dog. And if I catch you watching my dog, and I'm going to call you out on Quit watching my dog. You're here for me, you know? So I tell them, if you want to stay up on me, stay up on me. If you're not comfortable with that, that's fine. Stay within a few feet of me. Um, my, like I said, Nitro's used to having people around me while we're tracking. So he doesn't try to swing back around and come around um, on my backups. Uh, develop a game plan before you hit the woods. Hey, this is what I need you to do. When we can make contact, if my dog's on a bite, you need to be prepared to go hands on with my dog on a bite and not be afraid that my dog's going to come off and bite you because he's not, you know. Um, if we're not on the bite, you've got to be prepared that you're going to go in and go hands on. You know, we have had officers that have said yes to all that. Tracked, found the guy, bit the guy, and the officer was afraid to go hands on while the dog was on the bike. So now here it put my handler in a bad situation because now he's got to go up on a, a, a suspect that is not in custody that could still reach in his waistband and grab a gun. And he's now got to go peel his dog off 
um, with the guy with lethal coverage and then put hands on him. So it's funny because the other day uh, I'm a huge Andy Griffith fan and my wife and I uh, at night sometimes are kind of going through from season one all the way through. And there was an episode and I thought about canine tracking the other day where Barney and Gomer have to go into the old Rimshaw place to get Opie's baseball they threw in there. And there was the episode where there's a, there's some guys behind the picture and follow them with their eyes and Andy's <laughs> yeah. in there and everywhere Andy moves, Barney and Gomer right up on his ass. Yeah. And we, we'll get that with, with handlers or, or patrol guys that are so deathly afraid that the dog is going to double back around. Yeah. Like I'm not standing there holding the leash. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, where'd he go? Oh shit. He's behind us. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't really work that way. So um, here's another thing I get asked a lot by guys. And I'm sure Ted does too. When you're doing night tracking, who runs the light? How do you do the light? How are we backlit, not backlit? Or what do you do with your guys? Yeah. Basically tell them to keep the light off as much as possible. Don't backlight me. And if you do, if you do backlight me or the handlers, they're going to tell you, dude, shut your light off. You know, um, we have a thermal imager that we carry in our backpack. It's just a handheld. Um, we don't have night vision. The SWAT guys have the night vision. So if it's a night track with the SWAT guys, of course, they get to put on their nods and they get to see. And meanwhile, I'm walking, tripping over stuff and, uh, you know, falling on my ass. But, um, you know, we really try to work on our light discipline and, and keep the light off, work the darkness, you know, use your ambient light whenever you can. And, and just try to be as tactful as possible. Um, so we're not just making ourselves that big target out in the woods. So when you mentioned earlier about as a patrol guy in the beginning and you're like, this sucks, man, these guys don't find shit, you know? Um, and Ted and I both have been told the same statistic and neither of us can remember where it came from or if it was just made up or if it's true is that the national average for success on a track is like 12%. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's 12% of finding the person or finding evidence, you know, maybe a discarded gun, a skull cap or something like that, which may be everything, mainly because of cell phones and cars. Yeah. Um, talk about that first time where you personally are tracking a dog on a, on a call and actually got an apprehension and how fucking awesome that is. My <laughs> first time, my first app, I didn't get that. I wasn't oh, really, that was awesome. So they get a guy run from a local motel, uh, runs to the back of a fire station. Okay. Fenced in area. I literally got first night off FTO, canine FTO. I get nitro out, bring him over, give him his command. He goes in the woods. I can't get in the woods. So I put him in a down as I'm starting to go under the brush. My backup officer starts screaming, show me your hand. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> On the ground, two minutes, I put my dog in a down and the guy's literally 15 feet laying in front of us. So I didn't get that overwhelming, like, wow, that was awesome. That's the best thing ever. That, that first feeling got called out, domestic dispute. The officers get there, new officer. Guy had warrants and... The guy gives him a fake name. He says, but my ID's out in the car. And the rookie officer's like, why don't you go outside and get it? Uh, <laughs> yep. Here, you want your keys? Exactly. <laughs> so dude goes outside, takes off bush bond, 
the officer goes out a few minutes later, surprised that the guy's not standing there with his ID. Oh, so he called me out. And, and again, uh, neighborhood, woods, a creek behind the house. So I get out there, put nitro on his, uh, on his tracking harness, bring around, nitro picks up the track. And we're tracking along and we go down into this creek bed and we come back up. And if you know anything about Georgia in our woods, we have a lot of kudzu patches. And if you don't know what kudzu is, it's this big green vine yeah. that grows all over the place. And you have no idea how deep it is, what's underneath while you're walking. So he pulls me up to the bank with all this kudzu. And then he jumps back down into this creek bed. And he's going crazy. Now I'm running, I think, a 15-foot leash at the time. And he's down and I'm up five feet. And I'm like, what is he doing? So I jump down with him and all of a sudden he goes to the edge of this creek bed and he starts digging in the, in the dirt. And I'm literally standing there going, what is this dog doing? But in the back of my mind, I hear my unit trainer, trust your dog, trust your dog. Well, as he's digging, he's making ripples in the water. I see a hand underneath the surface, surface of the water. So Ooh. I rear him back. I give commands. The guy was actually underneath uh, this little ledge, almost like a cave, and was laying there hiding from us. And like that was the moment I was like, wow, that right there, my dog digging in, that was absolutely awesome. So got the guy. I asked him afterwards, how close was, was Nitro to biting his face? And he said, probably two more scratches in the dirt and I would have been toast. And I said, okay, good. So that was Ooh, my face aha bite. moment. Yeah. Yeah. That was my aha moment where, you know, watching him just dig in this dirt and then having the guy actually underneath it in this little cave was, was pretty spectacular. So we, we all, or most of us anyways, is, is when we're handlers, um, have those cases where, so like I told you, my first dog, I was like, did everything wrong, right? Mm -hmm. um, not everything, but definitely was doing the things wrong that we talked to handlers about not. My buddy Ryan, who I talked about before, what Ryan was amazing at, and the reason why he had so many apprehensions was, in theory, he could just close his eyes and he would just go wh where the dog took him. If the dog showed a change of behavior, he would never second guess it, right? And he had a case where they, um, I think it was stolen car, bailout, guy runs, they call him. He's, he's tracking, going, going. The dog's got nothing, right? So he's walking back. And right as he gets to the cruiser, the wind shifts, the dog head snaps and just starts pulling away. And Ryan's like, okay. Goes across <laughs> the street. Dude's hiding under the porch, smokes him under the porch. Yeah. Uh, uh, most guys would have been, what are you doing? Get over here. You know, and yep. pulled him off. Do you have any of those times where you just about screwed it up and, and you're like, I better, I'm going the wrong way, I think. And they'll let the dog just handle where they shocked you with that. Like, like that story I just told you, that yeah. was one where I was, I was really about to yank him away. And then again, I heard my unit trainer. I had another guy, uh, meth head, just got out of prison, loaded up on meth on his first night, gets into a fight, threatens to kill people. They call us. And 
Nitro picks up the track. We're tracking along and we come out to this big cow pasture with a couple of big old oak trees and pulls right to the oak trees. And again, I'm like, what are you pulling me to? There's nothing here. The guy had shimmied up naked up a tree 20 feet and was literally holding on to the branch. And my backup officer was shining his light and happened to look up and was like, show me your hands. And of course we got him in custody. Ah. That, yeah. And that was another one where I'm like, okay, I don't know what Nitro is doing. And you know, you have that man, I just, I don't know what this dog is thinking right now. And of course he's right. So the more time I spend behind the leash, like you said, you know, close your eyes and let your dog work. Mike, he knows what he's doing. It's us that usually screw up the tracks or, you know, the apprehensions. It's not the dog, it's us. And learning to trust your dog and let your dog, you know, let them work, let them find it because they know what they're doing. There's a whole psychology that goes into that too. And I, when we do our handler schools, I try and tell them like, you know, you know, who you're chasing and they're trying to put as much distance between you and them as possible. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. Like, like I get it. They're probably not going to go through like a briar patch unless they need to. And they're usually, and that's the thing, like you mentioned earlier um, about, man, fuck these dogs. They don't find anything and anything else. Mm -hmm. And we do it a lot where um, we always, like I've, you know, we, we, we end in tracks with, um, without finding anything. Cause I mean, they get picked up by the homies or the girlfriend yeah. or whatever. And I'm like, well, it's not necessarily that the dog was wrong. It's that there was just nothing there to find. We had a, a right. robber a dude, um, held up like a liquor store, like convenience store thing and ran. And the direction he ran did not make sense. Mm-hmm. And the handler is like, when he gets to the handler, he's like, what? He went, which direction? And they told him, he's like, man, I don't know. Are you sure? And so um, they started tracking. And sure shit, the dog went the opposite direction. And Jake's like, no, nah, we're going to go this way. So as he's going, like as they're tracking, they're finding shit that like stuff he stole, found his hat and some other stuff. But they get to a parking lot, a church that was about half a mile away, the other direction, like kind of like through some woods and stuff. And they get there and the dog starts circling. It's kind of looking around and Jake's like, well, I mean, they're like, oh, he's inside. They're like, no, he's not. Jake's like, no, he's not inside. Uh, They got security cam footage of a car sitting there waiting on him. And so it was planned. Like he was going to go, he got dropped off at the liquor store thing, robbed it, and then ran through the woods, got picked up. And so technically the dog was right, but there's nothing there. So, and you know, we don't always end tracks with fines. So, I mean, with, so um, at this point, I think we need to take a break. So we're going to don't fast forward to the commercials. Um, I probably won't remember any of the episode, the uh, discount codes anyway, but um, you can text Eric. He'll tell you. So, um, <laughs> so don't go anywhere. We'll be back right, guys. This episode has been brought to you by great sponsors of ours. Please don't skip through this. Take a listen to them. One of our oldest sponsors and great friends of ours are the people down at Highland canine down in North Carolina. Um, I really like them. We have, we see them at all the conferences. I know a lot of people have been to their school for dog trainers. They've been on the podcast Highland canine. They're a full service canine and pet dog training business where they can train you to be a trainer. They can get you a dog. They have handler classes. They have supervisor classes. They have trainers courses for just LE. They have them for anybody who wants to be in, uh, in the dog business, be a dog trainer of any kind. Um, 
Check them out. Their website is tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com, tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. If you are smart, you'll go down there in the winter. It is North Carolina. It is warm. You get to work dogs. It's a no-joke school, guys. You're not going down there for a month um, and, and rushing through it. They're actually trying to make you real-deal dog trainers. Uh, tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. Next is a sponsor that's been with us for quite a while, uh, Dogtra. I love Dogtra stuff, and they continually keep bringing out new products. Uh, one of the things that I've been using a lot lately is the new Tone Box. If you're a pet trainer or if you train a lot of police officers, and I harp at my guys all the time about timing, and this thing literally kind of pairs to the, to the remote, and when you're using the remote, whether you're using Nick Constant or Vibrate, it makes a noise, so you can get the timing down 100% consistent. And so I can demonstrate how to do an out with an e-caller immediately, quickly. And it is so effective that I can't believe that it took me forever to figure it out <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to get that. They've also got these new um, comfort feather like titanium things that go on the collars that uh, are fantastic for making sure we got contact. It actually has six points and this comes in two sizes and it's a titanium feather thing. They're awesome. They got comfort, comfort contact points for the bark collars, the YS 600. One of my favorite things. I have about 50 of them at the kennel and it is dead silent. And I put them on all the pet dogs and I can leave them on because they have the comfort contact points and they're fantastic. All this stuff you can get at dogtr.com. And if you use the discount code WDR, one zero you get 10 percent off a single item over 200 bucks so that covers the ball trainer that covers the 1900 ass hands free which is my personal favorite for all the big dogs uh it covers the two dog system uh the 202c which i use for the two dog pet guys and fantastic so dogtra.com or go to at dogtra official on all the socials that's facebook instagram all those places so hit them up dogtra.com guys i don't even shop any other sites when i'm looking for everything for dogs our one-stop shop for anything pet dog training and police dog training hunt dog training anything you need you can find at rayallen.com they have been doing it forever we have a great relationship with them Um, again they're at all the conferences you can stop up and talk to them they have more stuff there than any place rayallen.com they are amazing we have a great a really, really good relationship with those guys. Um, like I said, I get on their website. I do not look anywhere else. I just get on Ray Allen. Why, why should I fill up my cart, pay it? Boom. Shipping. Here we go. Uh, everything's coming. RayAllen.com. And guess what? We do have a discount code for them. Working dog radio for 10% off. It's all one working dog radio and it's all caps. Check them out. RayAllen.com. I'm not too shaped to admit that I used our own discount code to buy stuff for the kennel. We have American Aluminum next, our new sponsor for uh, moving forward. Um, they have been around for quite a while. They manufacture a wide variety of products from the high quality cam lockers and toolboxes to a huge line of products designed to meet the ever-changing needs of law enforcement community. Back in 1992, due to the demand for safe, secure transport for a nearby law enforcement department's canine, they introduced the very first Easy Rider canine. They have continuously grown and expanded products, catering to the needs and wants of the valued customers and a high-profile clientele. Over the years, as the needs have changed, they have evolved and expanded their products to include inmate transport systems, canine training aids, canine inserts, contraband, containment, and animal control systems, just to name a couple of things. So you can find them at easyrideronline.com. That is Easy Echo Zulu Rider Online. Dot com. You can find them on the socials at American Aluminum Accessories, and then you can hit them up toll free 
1-800-277-0869. You don't have to worry about writing all that down. We're going to put it in the show notes. So just scroll down to the bottom, write it down, click the link, takes you straight there onto your phone. Our first sponsor we ever had, he's been, he's our ride or die. He's been with us since the beginning is Arno over at ALM canine equipment. His stuff is so good. Ted, you know, gets suits. He, and listen, Ted's suit, he's had it for a long time. Arno's fixed it. He's uh, taken a million bites on it. It still holds up. The thing's amazing. I've got a suit from him. I love it. Use it all the time. Uh, but the main thing that I really love about Arno is his hidden sleeves are ridiculously amazing. They are the best. And his tugs. I usually buy tugs from Arno by the box load. He'll send me a whole bunch of them. I hand them out to the handlers, new handlers when they come in, experienced handlers. Uh, they last for a long time. They're amazing. The craft work is is great. Arno's doing all the, the sewing there. He's got pre-made suits. He can do custom-made suits, everything you need um, out there. And he's out there in sunny Las Vegas. Get on his website, check him out, almk9equipment.com, almk9equipment.com. Discount code WDRADIO, all caps, 10% off your first order. Check them out. All right, Working Dog Radio, broadcasting Dubai. We are back uh, with Brian Doan from uh, Gwinnett County out in uh, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta, uh, talking about tracking. Uh, they do a lot of it out there, and it seems like they're super successful at it. So one of the things that we were talking about before we started recording, uh, which is kind of what brought up like how we opened the episode of me talking about half a day with the heat, is it gets hot. <laughs> <laughs> over there and it's humid man it's humid here too god it's humid uh so with the tracking and with um heat how do uh you guys handle that stuff night stuff is a little easier um yeah. but like how do your day shift guys handle it uh so when we get deployed on these hot summer days down in georgia with 95 percent humidity um yeah. we always monitor our timing that the dog's on the ground um pay attention to the dogs, look for those signs of heat stress. Uh, we down our dogs a lot during the tracks to cool them off. Uh, we all carry go bags um, when we go into the woods. Like my go bag has a portable water bowl. I carry three to four bottles of water for the dog. Uh, I, um, liquid IV, um, you know, packs to put in, ice packs. Uh, also, I carry a portable stretcher in case anything, the dog goes down, I go down, another handler goes down, whatever the case may be. Uh, right. We've got that. Finding that water source, downing them, give them that time to rest. Um, I also keep a thermometer in my bag and monitor my dog's temperature along the track. So I know what his temperature is in a normal, uh, just sitting in the truck versus when he's been on the ground for an hour. So I know what his working range is. And if it gets above and beyond that, um, we will pull the dog out, uh, get another dog and let that dog pick up where we left off. So I have two questions for you. One, huh? uh, and, and I think the go bag is really important for guys that have the, uh, it might be two guys on the road, three guys in the road, that real rural county area. What, like, is it a backpack? Is it a waist pack? Yeah. Leg strap? What does no, it look it's like? just, just an old regular backpack, camo backpack. Um, I keep my portable water bowl, like I said, bottles of water, stretcher. I keep all my um, a SWAT, uh, a SWAT T um, band. I keep uh, all my other first aid stuff, Benadryl. We got yellow jackets out the wazoo down here. So Ugh. if I happen to get 
chewed up by yellow jackets. I can put some liquid Benadryl on me. Um, so we also have snakes. So I keep uh, Benadryl for him in case he gets a snake bite while we're out in the woods. Uh, the thermometer to me is the most important in, in keeping that temperature and making sure my dog's okay and we're not going to go into any type of heat injury. So um, carry extra line in it, uh, long line in it in case I need it. Uh, so that way we don't have to try to get back to the truck in case we come upon something. We had one track one day where the handler was going and came up to a drainage ditch and it went underneath the roadway more than 30 feet. The guy was actually hiding in the middle of it. So we luckily had that extra line, tied the lines together. We were able to get the dog in there. The guy surrendered without getting bit. So things that you may need, uh, things you might not need, but it's better to have than not have. Do you have a kind of a, a mental formula or time on the ground and the temperature, like if the temp ambient temperature outside is whatever, how, a specific time on ground you're looking at? We're looking at usually in the, in the peak of summer, about 20 minutes on the ground per dog. Um, that's just pretty much straight going. You know what I mean? We can get longer if we're near a water source and we can down the dog in the, in the creek or the lake or whatever the case may be. Um, we'll down the dog five, 10 minutes, whatever it takes to get the dog back, temperature back down, back to ready work and continue. Luckily, um, because we do have a 10 man unit, there's usually more than one dog working. Uh, we have mutual aid with our cities. Our, our cities within the county have canines, our sheriff's departments have canines. So we always have that extra leeway that maybe some of the other jurisdictions don't have, you know? So no apprehension is worth pushing your dog past its breaking point. So if you have to call a track because the dog's too hot, and call the track, put the dog up. It's not worth uh, the PR nightmare of having a dog die of a heat uh, illness while you're on a track or whatever the case may be. So um, with nitro, like I said, I can get about 20 minutes before I have to give them a break. Uh, you know, again, I carry ice packs in my thing. I'll pop an ice pack, put it in his groin. If I don't have a water source nearby, hydrate him, let him cool off, let him roll around in the leaves, you know, take the harness off, put it on his flat collar, all that kind of stuff. And then we'll pick back up when he's ready. We've talked to some folks that were with larger units um, and they all do oftentimes on days like that, a leapfrog thing. Have you guys ever worked to that into your training in your work? Like, like as far as he, like, you're going 20 minutes with nitro and he's getting yep. gas, but there's your other two dudes showed up. Would yeah. you try to leapfrog them ahead oh, give nitro, and yeah. then move up in front of them? Absolutely. Yeah. We'll put the dog up and get the other dog out and let them run the call and let the Lytro rehab in my truck and the air conditioning and then uh, keep going like that. We actually got a, uh, we had a, I hate to call him a chronic masturbator, but that's what he was. And we, the guy was in the middle of a parking lot playing with his stuff at, at women and took off when road officers got there. And we tracked that guy in the dead heat of summer about an hour plus and Jeez. we went through three or four dogs um just like you said leapfrogging them i would run nitro once nitro got spent put them up rehab get another dog run that dog and just keep putting them back up and getting the dogs out and i mean i hate it because one of my other guys really did most of the work but nitro got the app 
<laughs> so we uh we put him down and i asked the lady who was on her front porch i said you see somebody run by she said yeah he ran in that backyard we go in the backyard and sure enough the guy's hiding behind a board and you know just one of those things teamwork but yeah nitro got the app even though one of my other guys did a lot of the work <clears throat> So what's the, do you guys, I mean, what's the standard procedure that you're doing for heat trauma um, in the field? And like, just because of what I like went through today and, but I have training Mm -hmm. (laughs) in how to deal with it and know like what to look for and what to do. Um, So what, what's your standard like in the field? Like if you're out and there's in the woods, in the woods. If, if I don't have anything with me, is, is that what you're kind of getting at? No, like, like if you well, got your go bag and you're seeing yeah. Nitro uh-huh. and he's looking stressed. Yep. What, like right then and there. Cause we've had, um, so I'll tell you an example real quick. So we've had a couple different people on the podcast that were, that are um, big time tactical medics, like big time into this stuff for, for tier one units and everything. And some of the things that they talked about doing were go against what we had learned you know, in the early two thousands. And then, um, so my old unit was just at a dog fundraiser the other day. And there was a five, uh, I don't know if it was a five K. I think it was just like a two mile run and a pet dog fell out and they immediately started cooling him off real quick. And somebody jumped in and was arguing with them that that's not what you're supposed to do. And, but they had just been to a school. So what is you guys, your guys's procedure and all that? Uh, so if the dog goes down in the woods, we're of course going to get him out as soon as possible. We all carry, um, I don't know if I can say the company's name or not, but it's a portable pressurized water container that holds 3.8 gallons of water. And we keep those in our truck. So get the dog stabilized out in the woods, get them out, get them cooled off at the trucks, uh, hose them off, get them up in that crotch area, get them nice and cool. Um, I like to, as far as like, you know, wetting them down and put them in the AC, uh, get the temp body temperature back down. We can run IV or we actually train with our fire department about, you know, they're not necessarily going to put the IV in. We all go through a first aid course. Um, we just went through it a couple of weeks ago where our, our trauma vet came and just taught us all this different stuff about packing wounds, um, uh, heat injury and stuff like that. So, um, you know, just the basic stuff that we're going to do to get him and then get him to a vet. If we have to use our helicopter to fly the dog, we're good to go on that one. We ha- do have two helicopters in the department and we have transported an injured dog on the helicopter and everybody's good with it. So you just, you just segued into the next topic Ted and I were going to ask you about, and that is if you had air and how do you, well, do you work with the air units? We work very well with our air unit. Um, we have two helicopters. Uh, we just had a missing person tonight. Helicopter was up, I don't know, probably about five hours looking for this guy working with us. Um, so we work with our air unit quite often. They actually just got uh, drones. So maybe if the weather conditions aren't good to fly the helicopter, they can still get the drones up and we can use them. Um, but we train often with our air unit. Uh, once a year, we have a large group training thing where all the dogs go up in the helicopter, make sure that there's no environmental issues, um, load the, you know, helicopters on the ground running, you're up, you go in, put your dog in the helicopter, hook them to the, uh, uh, the harness 
hook the harness up in, inside the helicopter, and then we go up for a little ride. Make sure the dog's okay, land back down, exit out. So we work really good with our air unit. Uh, matter of fact, the captain over our air unit is a former canine handler. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Yeah, we had uh, Jack Sholion from uh, LAPD, and he was a tactical air advisor, but he was a canine handler first, too. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so let's say, and he's there. Those guys are so good with perimeter and containment, but having a fucking helicopter is almost cheating. <laughs> <laughs> The, it, it, it really is. It really gets them to bed down. Um, some of our really good apps have been because the helicopter, I always give credit to those guys. Like if, yeah. if the helicopter's not up, because we all know perimeters 95% of the time are terrible. You yep. know, one guy with blue lights on is not a perimeter. So the guys We're driving around and using your, your cruiser spotlight. Yep, exactly. Oh. So <laughs> having that air unit is a total game changer and it gets these guys to bed down and you know, hide and seek. Yeah. We, Ted, where uh, was it that we went and t- and the their chief was there and we we're talking about the drones and how many they have? Texas. Texas. Yeah, yeah, we were in uh Irving. Uh, um yeah, no, yeah, we Fort were in Earth, Irving. Maybe but, or something. but it wasn't it wasn't we were there in Irving, but it wasn't Irving PD, it was one of the surrounding agencies. Or somebody with a lot of money. Yeah, they yep. have a bunch of they have a bunch of drones and a bunch of drones and they catch dudes with those all the time. They use them here. We have some state agencies that have them, um, and it's been like super like successful. That's one thing. One of my buddies is a helicopter pilot for LA County Sheriff's Office, and he's caught. Well, he doesn't. He flies the big one now, the rescue one. But he had the he flew a smaller one, and he was like, "Man, it's great." He was like, "I'm up here," and he was like, "You can walk, dude, straight into it." And you're like, mm-hmm. "I literally just saw this fool. <laughs> like, he's right mm-hmm. there." Although we were at an HRD on the East Coast, and a state agency had a helicopter, fifteen million dollar helicopter, and they're like, "We can't find this guy." Last time we saw him was here. Dogs on the ground about ten minutes and smoked him. He was, and they couldn't see him on FLIR because he was laying in water. And he was deep enough and he was covered up enough with, you know, he did the whole like Arnold Schwarzenegger thing from Predator where yeah. he, he <laughs> put mud all over him and shit. And they were like, well, we can't see him on FLIR. And it was super dark. And they're like, oh, the dog found him. And, but he had swam. They said that he had swam across this pondy, lakey thing. And he, they either missed it, couldn't see it, or, but they were looking in the wrong area. They're like, this is the last time we saw him. And the dog was like, no, we're going this way. And dog smoked him. So, we were yeah. in Florida, and this is the only. This is one of the videos I haven't seen that I really want to see. Oh is, God. So they were chasing say. a dude, canines chasing the guy, nope. and the guy and the helicopter's up. So they got they have video footage of it, and the guy goes and dives into a pond, and the helicopters you see on the FLIR two alligators, yeah, oh, up no. and grab and <laughs> oh, rip the yeah. dude in half. Oh. I ripped him in half. I'm like, I gotta see that. And um, our buddy that was down there, he's like, yeah, I could probably get that for you. And he came back and goes, yeah, I can't, I can't get that. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I, can't. I was like, damn it. No, sorry. That's, no, yeah. That's one yeah. I, that's one I would, would definitely want to see. So um, I want to shift gears here real quick uh, before we wrap up. And one of the things that Ted and I talk about a lot with a ton of people is how ridiculous it is that there's no such thing as any kind of foundation to raise money for SWAT teams. SWAT teams don't have to sell T-shirts to do car washes or anything like that. But canine units all of the United States have to not completely self-fund. Some definitely self-fund, but they raise money. How are you guys funded? Do you have to help yourself? Who do you fundraise with? And how can people that are listening to this help if they want to? So I will tell you that we are extremely lucky 
our command uh, is absolutely 110% behind us. Uh, we are all self-funded. Um, we don't have nice. to do any. We don't have to do any fundraisers. As far as equipment training, we pretty much ask for it, and the department usually gives us the thumbs up. Um, I myself and my other sergeant, Sergeant Brandon Townley, we prepare the budget. What we want, some of the you know, when I first came up, example, when I first came over the unit, we had like three bike suits for ten guys, and I said that's disgusting. I don't want to mm -hmm. put on some oh, sweaty. Yeah. Some sweaty bite suit after your stinky large butt just got out of it. So I went to my boss and I, I gave him the old jock strap additive, like, hey, you're on the football team and the punter just came off or the middle linebacker just came off. You don't have a cup and he handed it to you. You're going to put it on? And he's like, no. I said, that's what we're doing in these bite suits. And he goes, that's absolutely disgusting. So every one of my handlers has their own bite suit. Nice. So we, you know, we get the equipment. We've got the support. We don't have to do any of the fundraiser stuff. Um, we get a lot of people that want to donate. <clears throat> Unfortunately, they can't because our department, our, our county government doesn't allow it unless you're a approved vendor or, or donator. I'm sorry. So, you know, I, I love Kyle and Georgia Canine Foundation and, and listeners that want to uh, show their support you know, give it to them. They, they provide so much equipment for agencies that can't afford it or don't have the finances. Um, like I, I really appreciate everything that Kyle and those guys do down there um, for the entire state and whole canine in, in whole. Yeah. They've really, they've really kind of, you know, went from what, like three or four departments maybe to there. If you're in Georgia, they'll help you out if you need it. Oh, they, they will absolutely get you whatever you want. Um, they've got, you know, if they've got the money, they're going to give it to you. Uh, we, anytime like somebody comes to me and says, Hey, I want to donate some money. I tell them to donate to Kyle. Um, we've had uh, the canine foundation has given some of the units that we train with vests, um, mm -hmm. giving them equipment. So, you know, again, we we're very fortunate that, you know, I'm, I'm on the same forums that you guys are on social media. And you see these things and it's like the department super frustrating. Know, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, like we talked about in the beginning or before we started recording, the department wants that dog. It wants that dog and pony show to go out there and say, Hey, look at canine Rex. Isn't he pretty, but you're not supporting the dog. You're not giving the canine handler the resources that he needs to be successful. They just want the, Oh, Hey, he got a gram of meth. Good job, buddy. You know, money, our hard money at work. But at the same time, the dog's without a hot and pop or anything like that. And one accident, and you're in a PR nightmare. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not good at, at all. Um, one of the, And one more thing you guys do down there that I love, and I don't know about, Ted, where you're at. I think they might do that up there. One thing they do not do in Ohio is, and I love it, is those guys, those boys down in Georgia will track some dude and catch them with the dog, whether it be a, a bloodhound or whether it be a, you know, Mallow shepherd. Oh, and they'll, they'll post them pictures. Their sheriff will post a picture of that dude, mm -hmm. maybe blur his face out. Maybe not covered in shit and mud <laughs> standing there like a whole show up. It is the best yeah, we, thing we do ever. <laughs> you yeah, we, know up North. We do. Nobody does. That. Yeah. My department doesn't do that either. They, they are just now getting on board in social media. We've had a Facebook page for a little while, but we just got Instagram and everything's got to be approved. Oh yeah. Um, 
you know, it, it, and I understand because you don't want everybody and their brother posting stuff in uniform and, and it, it's, it's not worth the hassle. You know what I mean? So we don't do that, but yeah, there's a lot of agencies around here that do. It's and, all from the yeah. South, man. And there it's like yeah. they're posing <laughs> with deer photos. Like yeah. it's like yeah. we mounted him. Oh, and yeah. there's some there's some people that cry about it, which they'll fucking cry about anything. But uh, oh yeah, believe me, like and I've seen the people crying about it, and I've seen news agencies. I actually had people call me a news agency. There was a department in Arkansas that did that, and I had a news agency call me, and they're like, "Is this common?" I'm like, "I don't know." Like, what do you want me to tell you? <laughs> I'm like, "I guess it is for them." And they're like, "Well, is this yeah. what the industry does?" I'm like, "Catches bad guys." Yeah, that's what they do. They're like, no, like, you know, because they made it look like it was, some, I don't know, I was just kind of like, yeah, I don't really want to talk to you people. So, yeah, yeah but <laughs> I can see why. Now there are some, like the guys down in Volusia County and like Marion County and those places down in Florida, like those sheriffs love that shit. They'll, mm -hmm. not the pictures of that, but like they post like, I mean, there's some stuff, you know, I'm all for it, but there are some agencies too that are like, no, we're. We, we don't, we don't even, they don't even acknowledge the dog even bites people. I'm like, meh, which is kind of like, we're worried about what it looks like. I'm like, what the fuck do you think he does? <laughs> like, I mean, so I, I, I there's got to be a happy medium, but uh, I think it's definitely, it needs to necessarily the, the catch photos, but yeah. uh, I mean, kind of acknowledging that the dogs exist and what they do and how they do it is, is a huge, um, uh oh, there you go. Is a there, huge, sorry. um, like benefit right which i think is part of the reason like everybody knows what the fuck a swat team does <laughs> like right. and even though they don't really just stand for sit wait and talk so it's not like they i mean everyone like eric said nobody's out fundraising for swat so it's kind of a a deal that i, I think I, I the police departments i think or law enforcement in general need to make a bigger deal about dog of course i'm biased but i think they need absolutely to, like highlight yeah. some of the <laughs> highlight some of the cost savings and some of the like if i was a sheriff i would be all about it and be like look how much money i save because i use the dog yeah and it'd be great but, it, it would be great if swat started doing that like 20 dudes in full kit with the barricade subjects came out covered in in cs gas and naked not learn yeah. out his private Gross. areas <laughs> and it's like look yes <laughs> they 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 take a beating on that one but uh so uh brian is there any social media you want to promote like maybe the new page you guys got any canine things coming up that you want to promote or anything uh no um you know there is a facebook page for Gwinnett county the instagram just started up um but not on there because you know they are just starting it up uh, we don't have anything going on. We, we had a lot of change this year as far as some of the internal workings. So, uh, I'm hoping 2022 is a better budget year for us mm. and we're able to get some more advanced classes. We've got a couple new dogs on that could really use it. Um, you know, decoy camps, tracking classes, stuff like that. Um, you know, so a lot of stuff, hopefully for 2022. And that's my goal. Our, our, our goal is to advance and, and keep pressing on. I think I'm coming down. I don't know when I think I'm going to, I'm coming down to help Kyle out. I've taught at his place a couple of times. Um, usually as Howard and me and, and Rich Harden come down, I couldn't go last time. I forget why. Um, but uh, if, if he has one, you see my name on it, be sure to come down so we can have yeah. a beer. Statesboro is a couple hours from us, so uh, he's cake. Yeah, Georgia's a big ass state. They have you have you ever trained down there with those guys? No, I haven't. No. So they have a place called the Pond House, and it's a pond with a house. 
and some wealthy dude owns it and it's real cool. And when I go there, that's where I stay, which is cool. It's a nice place. It's quiet as shit, like almost creepy. Yeah. Like the last time I was there the week before, somebody burglarized it. I slept with my pistol. I'm like, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> Giant spiders and everything. But it was it was pretty cool. But I'm out there kind of by myself. So if, if you see me down there, come on out to the pond house. We'll have a beer. And we'll uh, it's dark as shit out there. Like you can't. I'm like, what is that? Mm -hmm. Who is that? I'm going to bring a big giant spotlight next time. Because <laughs> you get out, up in Ohio, everybody's a burglar. So you, you always get problems with that. Yeah. Uh, Ted, where are you at? Torchlight uh, Canine, letter K number nine, Torchlight Pets. Uh, Ted underscore Summers on Instagram. Same thing on Facebook. Uh, the pet side is the pet one. And then the police canine side is the other side. So, um, yeah. And then HRD police canine also. Um, and obviously working underscore dog underscore radio for this one, um, which uh, COVID kind of hosed us last year, but uh, we were talking about it today. We're going to do a Christmas thing again this year and do some giveaways. And my dog just turned something over. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, where are you? Uh, Van S canine on Instagram, V A N E S S canine on Instagram. For what we do, that's pretty much where you need to go. The Ridgeside Canine Ohio is my uh, big Facebook page for the uh, pet side of the business. I have Van S Canine Academy on Facebook, although lately I haven't put that much on it. I, I need to, you know, take care of that. We also have on Working Dog Radio, we have a Patreon account. Um, oh, the big thing is we, we have to come up with a couple new designs, but workingdogradio.com, we have a uh, store there with some amazing T-shirt designs and designs for oh, yeah. all kinds of stuff. You guys should go check it out. Some of it's pretty damn funny. Some of our mm -hmm. best things we've ever put up, our logo and some other things. Um but other than that, uh, Brian, it was great having you on. I really appreciate it. Uh, appreciate Kyle, you having me. Kyle yeah. did us right. He definitely, definitely came through for me. I'll have to uh, thank him. So uh, appreciate it. And um, everybody, we will see you on the next one. Thanks, guys. Thank you. You got your reasons. And I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.